was anybody as cold as I was yesterday? <laughs> Late in the afternoon, it was so cold uh, in the canyon that Nikki and I sat around a fire at 4 o'clock uh, in the afternoon trying to get warm. And um, I don't remember lighting a fire that early before. But I love fires. Anybody else love fires? Somebody once said, I uh, read a quote that, a fire not only warms your body, it warms your soul. And that's a place, you sit in front of a fireplace and you can dream and think and have memories. And So yesterday, Nikki and I were sitting together for a long time in front of the fireplace uh, after we got it going and we're talking about life and talking about uh, the years that we would have together uh, in the future and what we might want to do during those years. And um, and I was thinking as I sat there and looked at Nikki um, about how far my life has come uh, since I was a young man and how far God has has brought my life and what God has done to take me from where I was uh, as a as a teenager and bring me to the a place that I am today. And in our passage this morning, uh, we're going to look at the beginning of the journey of Peter, James, and John as Jesus calls them uh, to leave everything, to leave their nets, leave their, their fishing business, and to follow him. So the message this morning, um, I, I, deep down in my heart, I am grateful for where God has brought you and where God has brought me on our journey. And our message this morning is the call of God upon these three men. And as we continue looking through Luke, we will observe how God takes their lives and begins to change change them. But I am grateful uh, for where God's brought me because and I just want to personally share a little bit about where I started, that as a young teen and uh, in, in high school, um, when I went into high school, I um, was still trying to find my niche in life. And um, in high school, a lot, of, a lot of kids began to excel. They began to excel in um, academics, or they began to excel in sports, or they began to excel in, in, um, in music or in art. Uh, but for me, I uh, struggled with academics when I was in high school, and so I thought I'd try to excel in sports, and I just got so far, and that's about as far as I could get. And I was kind of trying to find my way in life, and, and in my junior year, in 1959, that's how old I am, my junior year in high school, I discovered Charlie's Pool Hall in Old Town Tustin, and there's a picture of it right there. <laughs> um, I walked into that place. That place was built in 1916. And when I walked into Charlie's Pool Hall, it had not changed at all in 50-some years. And um, I decided that if I couldn't excel at some other things, I was going to excel at pool. And that, that's what I began to do. I began to shoot pool. And you know, have you ever heard the adage of, a good pool player? A good, a good pool player is a sure sign of a misspent youth. <laughs> and my youth was a little misspent because I spent these 
few years in Charlie's Pool Hall, and I loved the place. Charlie's Pool Hall, on the corner of C and Main Street in Old Town Tustin, was a treasure trove of cool stuff. It had all those old gold-plated spittoons that used to be in the old uh, houses of pool. The tables are those heavy hardwood tables that you can hardly find anymore. Sometimes the smoke was so thick you could hardly see. Cigarette and cigar ashes covered the floor. And all the retired guys in town, all the guys that had nothing to do, would come to Charlie's place at noon, and they would hang out there all afternoon. And we all became friends. You know, I've often heard Jeff say, uh, talk about tribes. You know, this, this is my tribe, or this is somebody's tribe. Well, the folks in Charlie's Pool Hall were my tribe back in ju my junior and senior years in high school, and maybe a year out. Charlie, the owner, was quite a character. Six foot three, 300 pounds. He looked like a mountain man because he was a mountain man. He was a hunter. He had a long, scraggly beard, long hair. He uh, chawed tobacco and wore greasy overalls and cussed up a streak and was kind of intimidating. But when he got to know him, he had a heart of gold. And uh, Charlie had a second business. Uh, he had a, out the back door of the pool hall, he had a shed, and back there he was a taxidermist. <laughs> and all the hunters in the area would bring their animals to the back of the pool hall on Monday, and he would stuff all of the animals that those guys dropped by. Charlie's Pool Hall. I loved the place. That was my start in life. And I asked God earlier this week, I said, Lord, was there anything in those years that I spent in Charlie's Pool Hall that would ever have prepared me for the pastorate. And uh, I felt like the beginning, maybe not, but I think probably uh, the heart that I carry for people who start life out and find it a little bit difficult to kind of, you know, find your way. And, and, uh, and you struggle a little bit as a young teen or late teen or when, you, when you're going through the changes of life and you're not quite sure who you are and, and where you're going. I think uh, spending those years in Charlie's Pool Hall uh, gave me a heart for those kind of people that would hang out at a Charlie's Pool Hall or maybe in a bar later in life or, or just, just find life kind of hard sometimes. I think my experience there just gave me a heart for those kind, those kind of folks. And... Uh, as I said, I'm so very grateful for how far God has brought me. Um, I never could have imagined in a million years, back in 1959, that uh, I would ever have gone into ministry. If somebody would have told me I was going to be a pastor back then, I would have thought, not a chance, not in a million years. So I went from playing pool to preaching the gospel. Wow, what a change. This is what Jesus can do in your life. I just wonder, how many of you ever started out at, at a Charlie's pool hall? How many of you ever started out, well, not really the same pool hall, but <laughs> you started out in a place, you know, where it was a little rough and, and uh, maybe a lot of the kids that were doing well in school didn't go there. And how many of you know what it's like to have Jesus come into your life and radically change you. Huh? 
yeah, a lot of you, radically change you. It's such the love of God. It's such the grace of God. So, Scott, where was your Charlie's Pool Hall? Oh, I saw your hand shoot up first. That's why I'm calling on you. <laughs> yes, Mo. Oh, Disneyland, okay. <laughs> but you know what? Aren't you grateful God's taking you from Charlie's Pool Hall to where you are right now? Huh? I am. And, uh, and so I praise God for it. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 5, and we'll look at our passage this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at the first uh, 11 verses uh, in this gospel. And I'm going to uh, read, read the passage to you and then uh, comment on it a little bit as I go. And, uh, and then we'll look at it a little deeper with a, a little bit of a PowerPoint that I have. So if you have a pew Bible, it's on page 860. And uh, the drop head over chapter 5 reads, Jesus calls the first disciples. All right, chapter 5 of Luke, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genseret. Now, Genseret was a district uh, where the Sea of Galilee was, and this could have just as easily been called uh, the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is standing there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he is his ministry is just beginning, and he is very, very popular at the beginning of his ministry. There is some opposition from the Pharisees and the scribes, but because of miracles that we read about last week in Luke chapter 4, the healing of Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and some other miracles that he'd done, huge crowds were now beginning to assemble around Jesus, and they were pressing in on him, and he was planning on teaching there at the uh, at the shoreline of the lake, and he realizes that uh, no one's going to be able to hear him in the back. So in verse 2 it says, And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And so Jesus figures he can get in a boat, he can go out a little ways from the shore, and he'll be in a much better position to be able to speak to them. And so he does, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked to be put out uh, from land, and he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Now, I don't know how far out that Simon went out. The Sea of Galilee is seven miles wide. It's 13 miles long. So it's not a small lake, but Peter goes back out uh, as, as Jesus is, uh, has asked him. But I wanted to kind of like just go back to just the very beginning when Jesus is recognizing that he needs to take a boat out to get in position to speak, that Peter and James and John, who are next to him, are not having such a good morning because they have been fishing all night and they haven't caught one thing. They haven't caught one thing. 
And when Jesus is going to ask Simon, uh, uh, put out into the deep, verse 4, and let down your nets for a catch, I think Simon maybe is just a little bit annoyed because he's going to say, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. Not one fish did we catch. How many of you know that sometimes God asks you to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense? Well, this is one of those occasions where Jesus says to Simon, and what, what he's doing, he's going to show Simon, um, he's going to show Simon the joy of listening to what Jesus has to say. And so Peter says, despite the fact that we've toiled all night and took nothing, at your word, um, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when, <laughs> but when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter suddenly realizes who he's with. He's with somebody who, in comparison to his own life, he realizes how different he is from this one that he has begun to listen to and follow. He says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching men. Wow, what a verse. Do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Here is the call upon the three disciples that we know the most, that the most is written about uh, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. Peter, James, and John uh, began their journey with Jesus. And... Um, I think it's interesting that they are going to begin their journey with Jesus. They're going to leave their fishing boats behind and the nets behind. But what else are they leaving behind? They're leaving the biggest catch of fish they've ever had. <laughs> and that's what, God, uh, that's what God calls us to do when he calls us. He calls us sometimes to leave, to leave something that we really have valued uh, in the past. Now, Jesus is going to call Peter, James, and John to fully follow him, and they're going to end up uh, in full-time ministry. But that's not true for most of us in this sanctuary this morning. Jesus calls you to leave everything and follow him and whatever God calls you to do. You may be a writer. You may be a business person. You may be an artist. You may be a musician. Whatever it is in life that calls, God's called you to be, God just wants you to put him first in, I'm looking at Jordan, in his restaurant, for instance. Put God first. It doesn't mean that you leave whatever you're doing and go into full-time ministry. 
But what God's calling you and I to do, and I've been called into full-time ministry, but I have other things in my life that I'm doing. The heartbeat of this passage is that we give everything that we have, we give everything that we are, unto the Lordship of Christ. We make Him the single most important person in our life. And when the passage here talks about that they left everything for you and me, it would be leaving those things that, that get in our way, leaving those things that intrude into our lives. So if I could ask you, what would you say intrudes into your life? What is it that you have to battle with that kind of tries to replace God in your life? I, I, I have a couple of those battles. And, you know, Peter, James, and John, they're going to leave their fishing business and they're going to follow Jesus. But this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And when we say yes to Jesus, uh, sometimes you have to say yes a, a few times over. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you're married, sometimes it's good to renew your vows. And uh, sometimes... God wants you and I, you know, there's, I, I would think that most of us, when you gave your heart to Jesus for the very first time, uh, it was an emotional experience and you were really feeling, you were really feeling the call of God and the, and the draw of the Holy Spirit and fresh love for God and passion and intensity, you know, and all, all of that of coming uh, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the single most important decision that you can ever make. The single most important decision you can ever make is a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ and to receive from him a brand new life. And this is what Peter, James, and John are going to enter into. They're going to enter into a brand new life, a walk with God, and their, their call is no different from our call this morning. And I think as I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself. And I, remember, I remember the morning I gave my life to Christ. And uh, the necessity that I have quite often to say, Lord, uh, I give you myself again. I'm going to give my life to you again. Uh, why, why, why would I say that? Because I'm straying a little bit. I'm straying a little bit. Uh, Pastor Greg shared uh, in the upper room a few months ago a passage from Hebrews about valuing our salvation lest we drift away. Be careful that you don't drift away. And so, I don't know about you, but I sometimes find myself drifting. You know what I'm saying? I find myself drifting, and I read this passage, and I say, you know what? My life and your life it's like Peter, James, and John. We get that call and we're excited and we leave and we follow Jesus. And, and uh, sometimes, God, I, I find myself kind of drifting away. So I think that this passage for us this morning is not only a, maybe a call for somebody here who has never said yes to Jesus, but it's definitely a call to me, I think, to a lot of you to say, you know, I want to I say yes to you again. I want to I re- I want to recommit myself to you. And actually, it's probably something we probably 
would be wise to do uh, every single morning. And, and a lot of mornings I do. I say, I say to God, God, I want to give my life to you again this morning. Because, uh, because I have a habit sometimes of taking it back. Do any of you ever take your life back? Yeah, you take it back. So I've got a PowerPoint with just some uh, things I want to briefly share to give a little uh, deeper insight uh, into the passage. I think, it, I think it's really important uh, to, to see the progression, and, and I love this part of the passage, where Jesus models uh, teaching the word and then demonstrating the word that he's taught and then seeing a, uh, a reaction in the, cloud, uh, in the crowd, a receiving of uh, what he has been teaching them. So the key verse, of course, is the last verse, verse 11. They left everything and followed him. And of course, this was a decisive decision. They made a decision. Even though Peter was going to fail and James and John were going to fail, they made a decision. This is it. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I would encourage anyone here, if you've never made that decision, make that decision today. Say, Lord, I want to follow you. I'm going to give you my life. He not only taught them the word of God, but then he demonstrated it by sending Peter out to the boat and by catching this miraculous amount of fish in which the boats almost sank. And so I just think it's so cool how Jesus ministered the word, he demonstrated the word, and then there was the call to those who had heard and to, to those who, who had seen. And I shared in the first service, I remember uh, in the early days when I was first a Christian, how I would watch the power of the Holy Spirit uh, when I would share Christ as a young Christian back in the early 1970s. I would share Christ and I'd see the power of the Holy Spirit come upon people. And when they would hear the gospel, they would open their hearts up and they would receive Christ and they would have a brand new life, a brand new changed life. And so I would share the word, I would share the gospel, I'd see the Holy Spirit come upon the hearts of those who I was talking to, and then their lives would be changed. Uh, number three here, I want to point out uh, that Jesus taught them the word of God. It says in verse 1 of chapter 5, that the crowd pressed in on him, to hear the word of God. And what would that word have been? There was no New Testament written, so he was speaking to them out of the Old Testament. And how I would like to have heard what he said about the Old Testament, because most of us tend to uh, highlight the New Testament when we're in the scriptures or the Psalms, probably. But Jesus taught them from the Old Testament because he considered the word of God so important we already saw this in chapter 4 when he quoted um, uh, from Isaiah uh, chapter 60, I believe it was. And number four here, uh, we, uh, we see also that sometimes it doesn't make sense uh, what God uh, asks of us. Number five, but when we obey, uh, God does amazing things. Maybe for Billy and Juana, maybe they're trying to figure out now, like this is really unusual, being called to Romania, even though she's Romanian, 
This is like a big step. This is a big step. This is a big step of faith. And to say yes to God, I know it isn't easy. Maybe Billy would like to have had a big church here in California. But you're going to have a little church in Romania for a while. And maybe you're going, God, I don't quite know if that's what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm going to trust you. God's on it, so you don't have to worry about that, Billy. God's brought you an excellent wife. And you guys are going to prosper in Romania. It won't be easy. It'll be a battle. Ministry is never easy. But look at that whole row is full of millers, and they're all going to be with you. Yeah, we're going to pray for you, and so glad what God's doing. All right. I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Peter saying, uh, depart from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. I want to talk to you about understanding God. The most important thing about you is what you think about God. And Peter suddenly saw Jesus in a whole new light. He became so huge to Peter, Peter realized how little he was in comparison. And, and he's painfully aware of his own sinfulness in comparison. And I've got um, a quote from Isaiah in which the man that I consider to be the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah, had a similar experience where he writes to us from the sixth chapter, he has this vision of heaven. This greatest prophet, this amazing man of God, has this vision of heaven. And he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And I saw angels calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the temple shook while it filled with smoke. And I said, Hallelujah, bless God. I'm so excited I got to saw heaven. It's not what he said. Like he is like shocked. He is stunned over the magnificence and wonder of God. What he's just seen put him on his face. He was shaken. And he says, woe am I, this great prophet. Woe am I, I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell with the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The greatest prayer you can pray, God, reveal yourself to me. Show me more of who you are. The greater you receive revelation of God, the more you understand and the more you're aware of who God is, the greater will your walk be. Your love for God will grow. Your desire to obey God will increase. It all ties together. And then lastly, Jesus knows they've been hooked, and I put that word in on purpose. Peter, James, and John have been hooked like a fish. And they will be coming with them. So he calls Peter, James, and John to be fishers of men. And this meant they left behind, like I said a minute ago, the biggest catch of their lifetime, but what an adventure uh, they were, we were able to enter into. And so the feeling of my heart at this very moment is gratefulness for the call of God.
We see the call of God on Peter, James, and John. And I'm grateful for the call of God upon your life. And I bless the Lord for what he's doing in you. And they said in the first service, like, I think this is the best church in the whole world. I think this is the best church that there possibly could be, that God has drawn us together as a family of God, as a church family. And he has connected us one to another. And he's called us to walk this walk that we've been talking about, that I've been sharing with you this past half hour, to walk this walk together. And we encourage one another and we help one another and we're there for one another. May God deepen, may God deepen uh, his heart for uh, for, for uh, in us, for him as a church. And may we so value and be so grateful for what God has done uh, in Little Church by the Sea. It's such a beautiful place, serving a beautiful God, full of beautiful people. May 2018, as we just start moving into this new year, may this just be a, just a most excellent year. May this just be a great year for all of us. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Um, if you if you would like to if you would like to receive prayer, you would like to maybe you know kind of get back on track again uh, in your relationship with God, or maybe for the first time uh, you'd like to say yes to Jesus and invite Him into your life. Invite you to come forward. I'm going to ask if there would be some elders and some ministry team folks come down here. They'll be here to pray for you. But meanwhile, may the best blessing of God rest upon your life for this coming week. May you be filled with joy and grace and peace. May this be a fantastic week for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.